Welcome to the Forcedex Metric Minute brought to you by Vault Performance. My name is Kareem Durkawi and today we'll talk about phase asymmetry. Now please keep in mind these are just examples. Be careful not to try and evaluate an entire movement strategy based on solely a single force time trace. More information is always needed. Now in this screenshot from the Forcedex software, the eccentric phase is in purple, the concentric phase a nice beige color, and then later on the landing occurs. Left force is in blue, right force is in orange, and if you add the two together, you'll get total force, which is in gray. Body weight is denoted by the green area that runs left to right. But let's go ahead and keep things simple. Here we see a nearly perfect counter movement jump repetition. We know it's a well-balanced force output from this individual because the left and right sides are nearly in complete harmony with one another. Here we see a little bit of a different story. There's a moderate left-sided asymmetry in the eccentric phase, a nearly perfect concentric phase, and then a very large left-sided asymmetry upon landing. Now this individual probably does not want to load fast and hard on the right side, but even more so in the landing phase when velocity is higher, peak impact force is higher, rate of force development is higher, plus there's a proprioceptive and afferent feedback demand that has to coordinate a safe and effective landing. So the stakes are higher in the landing phase, and so that's probably why the asymmetry is exacerbated there. Here we see a very clear right-sided dominance. Even before the movement begins, this individual is leaning onto the right side. So eccentric, concentric, and especially landing, we see a very large right-sided preference the entire jump through. Here there's a low slash moderate asymmetry during the eccentric and concentric phases. There's not a clear preference left side or right. However, the same cannot be said about the landing phase. So this individual might be trying to avoid impact on the right side, however, we can definitely see that the asymmetry is inconsistent in the, e in the eccentric and concentric phases, but more so in the landing phase, it's very clear. Finally, we have this idea of the breaking phase crossover point. So essentially, if you remember from previous episodes, the breaking phase is when an individual starts to reverse the trend of downward force application and start to put force in the ground, tense up and apply a lot more uh, energy to the, to the movement preparation period. So now what we see here is when that kicks in, there's a right side of preference from that moment of increasing force output. So the left side is, is above upon standing and also an unweighing, but then as soon as things start to tense up and get a little bit tougher, the right side kicks in and takes over, especially during the landing phase. Now, a couple of key takeaways is that everything's based on time and force production and movement strategy. So essentially the phase asymmetry patterns can reveal much about performance and potential injury risk. If you have any thoughts or want to follow up on anything at all that's been covered here, please reach out to us at Vault Performance or my personal email address. Thank you. The world of strength and conditioning is filled with some awesome practitioners who are always trying to evolve and continue to grow professionally throughout their career. The problem with many of us, though, is finding a new outlet, a new way and a new perspective on the questions that we may have, whether it be programming, whether it be situational with dealing with coaches, or whether it be career advice. Because all too often what happens is we get stuck in with the same group of friends and the same group of colleagues that we reach out to for advice repeatedly over and over again. But what we should really be looking for is different perspectives different people who have been through different situations who can help us make better decisions both for ourselves and our athletes. And one awesome place to start with that is the forums in the Strength Coach Network. In the forums in the Strength Coach Network, you'll be able to reach out and get feedback, input, and advice from coaches from all over the world, from everything from career advice to training modalities to programming 
There's people there just for the same reason as you are, to try to get better, to learn, to share information, and to grow the field of strength and conditioning. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash CVASPS. That's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash CVASPS to dive into all that great content today and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Jay DeMeo coming at you with this week's edition of My Thoughts Monday. Today, I want to talk a little bit about a commonly used phrase and something that I think that we possibly overlook or maybe overemphasize when it comes to it. And, you know, a phrase that you hear a lot with strength coaches, especially, is that success leaves clues, right? We like to talk about how, you know, there are, are things that happen that are positive, that we look at and we, we try to take those and use those clues in order to better drive our decision-making process. But what I think happens in sport all too often is people see success and they don't necessarily look for clues. They look to repeat it and they look to repeat the entire process. And they look at what is this team's program or what do these people do with this and those people do with that. And, you know, the old adage and joke, if you may, about the team that wins the national championship has the best strength and conditioning coach and the best strength and conditioning program is one that's been around forever, right? Because we sit here and we know that different situations and different staffs and locations and people and all those things are going to dictate what the results actually are and what the outcomes are, let alone just sometimes just luck, right? Like if something bad happens or there's an injury or you know, like this past year, COVID outbreak or whatever it might be can totally flip a season on its head. So where we say success leaves clues, I think all too often we look at success to leave answers. And that led to a discussion that, you know, we had the other day when we were talking about, you know, what meal do we feel would be best to have with our athletes. If we were to sit there and, and sort of make a meal mandatory throughout the summer, which do we feel would be better, breakfast or lunch? We want to make sure that our schedule allows them to get to dinner, right? Because we know that for the most part, these young people are going to go eat that. But which is more important for us to kind of have like a check-in or, you know, have us go to the meal with them to not just talk about, you know, nutritional strategies and those sort of things, but just to kind of connect on a different level. And, you know, somebody in the conversation brought up, well, you talked with, you know, Rob at Kentucky and he talked about how they eat breakfast. And if they eat breakfast together at Kentucky, that's obviously the best thing to do, right? I mean, because it's Kentucky, you need to do what Kentucky does. You know, and my reply was, well, you know, we were really good too, but for the time that we were eating breakfast together, we also had a really good season the year that we were eating lunch with them. So maybe then if you look at those two situations, right, where we had lunch with the guys and every day they were all eating, they were all doing these things. We were talking to them about this, that, and the third on top of nutritional and fueling strategies. And, you know, Rob was doing the same thing at breakfast. Maybe instead of sitting there and saying, well, Richmond basketball was good when Jay ate breakfast with the team, or Richmond basketball is good when Jay ate lunch with the team, 
or Kentucky basketball is good because they eat breakfast as a team. Maybe we take a step back and we say, wait a minute. They were fueling consistently at the same time daily so that there was some form of routine in their nutrition strategy. So maybe the clue that was left is eating with your team and holding them responsible and accountable for being at meals and teaching them common simple things like we're discussed, you know, this past week and a half at CVASPs when it comes to educational strategies when it comes to nutrition can go a long way in helping improve performance, which can help with your success. Now, is it a guarantee? Of course not. Was that the magic sauce? Of course not. And I don't think Rob would say so either. But all too often we hear, well, team A had breakfast check and they won this league or those games or this or the other. So everybody's like, well, we got to have breakfast check. Or, you know, again, going back to it, it doesn't matter, right? Like if you're one by 20 or straight Gale Hatch or, you know, hit or whatever, right? Whoever's winning, people turn around and they say, oh, well, that's the cat's pajamas and what we need to do. When in reality, I think we need to start looking at bigger rocks and trying to find what commonalities there are between groups. What commonalities are there between teams? What commonalities are there between players and their actions and things that are held to a high regard, right? Then we can start to find out where these clues that success is leaving. But again, we turn around and we flip it and we say, oh, you know, this team does a lot of Poliquin stuff and they were super successful so we need to do everything on a 3-2-3 tempo or whatever you're going to, you know, pull out of Poliquin principles and do that. When really, that might not be the answer. What might be the outlier actually is the training. What might be the outlier is some other thing that all of a sudden turns into a fad that other people aren't as successful with. Now, that's not to say that Poliquin stuff won't work. It's worked at a ton of places, especially in college basketball. That's also not to say that 1 by 20 wouldn't work. It's worked at a ton of places in college basketball. Weightlifting and the hatch method. Worked at a ton of places in college basketball. So when we sit here and we look at these things, and there are so many things that are unique to each individual and each situation and all the different areas of what we do, maybe we need to start finding what the commonalities are at the places where there are success and where there is not just success once, but they build success and they continue to repeat success. Because once we're able to do that and we can start to find the commonalities that drive success, now we've unlocked the clues that success has left. So I would love to hear how people feel that we could uncover these better, because I think that right now we just have a hard time because of the phones and Instagram and Twitter and even things like podcasts where people just give you brief little snippets of what they're doing, quick little you know snapshots and little thoughts just to keep you going, but we don't ever get down to the nitty gritty of it. 
Do we all eat with our teams? Do we find our teams play better when we do? Is breakfast best? Lunch best? Is dinner best? Are we feeding them post-lift? How often are we training? How often are we giving them time off? What are we doing to help them sleep better? Now, these are all sexy, new age, air quotes, topics. But I would almost venture to say that a lot of those things would be able to direct much more connection than we would if we are just simply copy and pasting a program that someone does. Like so many people like to, because this is the team that won, that's the team that won, so they obviously are the best. Would love to hear your thoughts on this though, because this is hard and this is something that's going to allow vulnerability and people to share more and people to dig more and people to really question what they're doing. So let's try to find better ways to share the things that we're doing, the changes we make and how we're trying to grow with our athletes so that we can leave the clues that were to our success so that all of us can grow and be better. Because if we don't figure out what each other's successes were driven by, it's all really just a crapshoot. And we might just be getting better in spite of everything we're doing instead of because of everything we're doing. But as always, truly appreciate everything y'all do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We'll be back next week with another My Thoughts Monday. I'll see you then.